You're listening to That YA Podcast. Four for you. Episode four. Trust your old journal. Bet you didn't expect to hear from me again. I know I didn't. I usually suck at keeping records and diaries, but turns out I enjoy talking about Megs too much. Not sorry. I have a serious problem. I am actually turning into a cheesy 90s character. I feel like I'm in an after-school special these days, with an everything-will-be-okay outlook and a side of love to cure all. Someone needs to intervene before I start scaring children with manic smiles and random outbursts of song. These days I'm erring on the side of scary, and I'm surprised my mum hasn't made some snarky remark about my singing around the house and smiling into my sketch pad. She's so wrapped up in her own world, I shouldn't be surprised she doesn't notice my happiness. It's not like I'm smiling at her. I'm doing the opposite and tend to avoid her like the plague these days. If happiness is catching, so is anger. I'm smiling at Megs, about Megs, because of Megs. The way she still looks surprised when I run up and hug her from behind in the courtyard. The way her forehead crunches up in embarrassment over her parents fussing over me. How she constantly checks on me, asking with words and her expression if I'm okay. I'm completely in awe that a girl like her would ever choose a girl like me. Last week I went up to her apartment to meet her parents. Walking into the hall, I was struck by the art decorating the walls, the shiny hardwood floors, they even had a side table with a decorative vase, and photos of Megs doing all sorts of achievements. Compared to my place, it was an alien environment. To say Megs' house was out of my comfort zone is the understatement of the year. I couldn't help but be nervous. None of my friends' places have been in a gated apartment complex. She has a foyer, for God's sake. With a couch. I've never felt pressure like that before. How does one impress people you've never met? The two people in the world I want to make like me, and let's face it, I'm not the most likable. I get followed around at Bunnings, and my bag checked every single time I leave a store. I don't think my vandalism will be a trait they appreciate. I tried to dress up, but felt stupid and everything, so paint splattered vans, my least faded pair of jeans, and nicest came out hoodie it was. I'm sure the frame around Megan winning the debate competition last year cost more than my entire outfit. I don't think it went badly. It could have been worse. I've never been in a relationship where I wanted to meet the person's cousin, let alone their parents. Kobe in year seven, he lasted two weeks before we both got bored and decided tight-lipped kissing in the park just wasn't for us. Year seven crushes never work out the way your 12-year-old dreams make them out to be. After Cobes, I mainly had a lot of hookups, sweet 16 birthdays with a stolen bottle of wine, and Game of Truth for Dare led to my first pash with April. The sour taste of passion pop coating our mouths, I think I licked the poor girl's teeth while she gently showed me how to French. There were a couple of other hookups after, Year 10 Fermal, making out with Todd, our star rugby player, built like a house he could pass for 21, even with his patchy stubble. I've never wanted more from my past likes. Kissing Kobe was cute in a 12-y way. Making out with April had me realising I wanted to kiss girls more than I did guys. And kissing Todd was like saying goodbye to my old school life. Bittersweet and not nearly as satisfying as I had hoped. Megan's different. With Megan, I want to spend time with her parents. I want to meet the people who shaped this incredible human. I'm not sick of us. I'm addicted. Every time I leave, I just crave a little bit more. I look forward to listening to her get worked up over the essay that's due two weeks from now, her eyebrows crinkling together in frustration at my lack of urgency, how she laughs, eyes scrunched up with white teeth on show at my impression of King George when we're both belting out Hamilton lyrics, walking to school. 
Megan showed me so much of herself in introducing me to her parents. I knew it was time to step up and show her how much she meant to me too. So, last Saturday, I invited Megan over to mine, directing her to catch the Werribee or Sunbury train jumping off at Footscray. Stomping my feet and rubbing my hands together against the icy wind, I grabbed us some Olympic donuts to warm us up on the walk over to mine. The whole way I stressed, half paying attention to what Megan was saying. Something about a new artwork at the gallery and how good the donuts were. That girl, never having Olympic donuts before. Yeah, who knows how she's survived this long. I'm falling behind in most of my subjects. Surprise! So Megan came armed with textbooks and notes galore. Classes are harder. My brain just won't cooperate. The problems refuse to stick in my head. I'm sure spending fifth period doodling in my notebook doesn't help. It does, however, save me from giving myself an aneurysm, trying to work out quadric equations. Stupid weird grids. No one's home at mine on Saturdays. Exactly how I like it. I spent too much time cleaning my room and forgot Megan would have to walk through the rest of the house. So there was a sink full of dishes and laundry stacked on the couch waiting to be folded. Undies out for the world to see. I led Megan ahead of me quickly, standing on the back of her heels trying to usher her into my room as fast as possible. Once we were in, she just kind of stood there and looked, taking in my tiny space. A4 pages of various pieces I had finished were blue tacked to the walls above my bed. Secondhand desk I'd gotten from the op shop, painted a glossy black, doubled as my bedside table. I decorated the right edge with silver posca, a swirling woven pattern I've been adding to, including math problems I'd rather draw than solve, quotes of my English textbook, science facts from my psychology book, and an outline of Audrey Hepburn's face twirled in within the lines so you have to search the breaks to actually see the definition. My room is tiny, so much smaller than hers, but I like it. I can reach my desk from the head of my bed and turn off the light by standing at the end of my bed. I've covered up the wall cracks and nail marks with my drawings over the years, from pieces to drawings of trees morphing into letters, some of my fave lyrics bombed onto a train carriage, the latest one that captured Megan's attention so much I ended up letting her take it home. It's us, or, well, part of us. Our hands, fingers entwined over a coffee cup, the Starbucks logo barely recognisable, but looking as closely as she was, you can make out her exact coffee order, and the small flecks of paint distinguishing one hand from another. After spinning in a circle, she turned to me, light in her eyes and a smirk on her pretty face. So this is your room? I raised an eyebrow at her. A trick that took me weeks to learn, but serves me well. I hope so, otherwise we're going to be in some trouble. I replied, flopping down at the head of my bed. So how do you want to do this? At the sight of her red face, I realised just what an innuendo that sounded like, but she just chucked her bag at me and sat opposite, knees touching my knees. Turns out having her over to help with homework wasn't the best idea. All I could think about was her knees grazing mine, and the empty house as I started to spread out our textbooks. Facts of having a small room... All Megan had to do to reach my pencil case was lean over me and reach for it on my desk. Her top rode up a little just in the back, and hovering over me, I caught her hips just in time as she overbalanced and started to slip. The feel of her bare skin was so warm compared to my frozen hands. She yelped, complaining about the cold, but not moving out of my grip. After a second, Megs was quick to recover, giving me a kiss on the forehead and sitting up. Maths, she tried to say sternly, 
but her voice broke on the one-syllable word. I laughed as we surveyed the mess of textbooks on the bed. And of course, because this is me, the inevitable happened. The universe likes to dole out a good deal of suck with happiness. Walking into the kitchen searching for snacks, I saw mum's keys on the table and a bottle of wine already opened. Only a glass poured out. I still held on to help she didn't go to the pub after work. Sneaking back down the hall, I found Megan standing and speaking to the one and only Mother Dearest. Hearing her slight slur, I could tell she'd already had a few drinks, but maybe I was just listening too hard for it, and Megs wouldn't notice. Mum's not a bad person. She's just frustrating when she drinks, and she's always drinking. It's mostly harmless shit, like singing to my friends, even once scaring off one of my friends, claiming they can sleep over if they slept in her room. She has no boundaries after a few drinks, and thinks it's hilarious. It's definitely not hilarious when I have to fetch her from the pub because she's too pissed to walk straight. Megan looked a bit overwhelmed, but was keeping up with the conversation, smiling tightly and answering mum's questions quickly. The usual, who are you, where's Desiree, and what are you doing here? Homework? Oh, you go to that rich bitch school too. None of this was said with malice. Mum was downright conversational in her tone and took no notice of Megan tugging at her jacket sleeves and looking around the room, probably for the fastest escape route. Before she decided to take a running leap out of my window, I quickly got Mum's attention, handing Megan a bottle of water and asking her how work was. I steered Mum into the hall. Always wanted to get the last dig in, Mum finally left me to study. She laid a heavy emphasis on the word and looked at Megan one last time before finally going back to the kitchen. Mum's caught me kissing all types of people, but she's never addressed it. She doesn't address much. That's my family. All ignore, ignore, ignore. Take my graph. I don't hide my paint. My walls are covered with sketches. Do you think she's ever said anything about it? Nope. I panic at Meg's putting away the textbooks. I couldn't leave the day tarnished by my mum's slurred words. I wanted Megs to see into a part of my life. And this was definitely not part of who I am. It was a tiny part of my life I'd rather not share with anyone. My mum's drinking isn't my life. Not really. Studying? Definitely not part of my life that I want. I was racking my brains trying to save the day. What would Megan think looking back on this? Was all I could focus on. I have an awesome memory of her parents and making out in her room. And what was she going to have? Maths, ruined by the fact that my mum walked in and basically called her a rich bitch? Not happening. It's now or never, really. If I wanted her to see a part of me that no one else has that's not my family or even my bedroom. Grabbing her hand, I hoisted her backpack on and pulled her down the hallway, past mum watching some overrated reality show and into the street. Just walking away in silence, I couldn't help feeling nervous. I'm 1,000% Megan didn't frequent abandoned buildings all that often, and that's where we were headed. I hadn't spoken a word on the way, squeezing her hand as a response every time she went to talk. Jumping on the Werribee line, we jumped off at Spotswood. Looking back on it, I should have just taken her here first, because truly, I wanted to share my real self, the place where I felt at home, like she did, and my house wasn't it. It's weird how things you wouldn't really notice become magnified when someone else is looking at them. At Spotty Abando, I finally spoke. In a nervous rush, I blurted out where we were while helping her step over the fallen chain link fence. 
spotty abando is pretty well known spot and really chill so I wasn't worried about us getting caught trespassing. When I said this to Megan you'd think I had just shouted run cops. Her face dropped. She glanced all around surveying the place. Maybe I should recruit her as my new spotter. The way she took in every square inch. The glamorous adventures of Des and Meg painting walls with math equations. When did I turn into this lame romantic? Planning a future in criminal damage with my gorgeous girlfriend. I'm sure her parents would love me after a call from the cops. Ugh, we're not even going to imagine what that would be like. Staring at Meg's, I just watched her take in the abandoned place. Eyes roaming from the high walls to the half ceiling. Looking with her, I saw a few new pieces from taggers I recognised. A Kego block piece rolled halfway up the wall. A Raxo piece with a pinpoint 3D straight ahead. A signature old-style Lush Sucks piece featuring, um, male anatomy. Empty iron lac cans and nibs littered the floor, broken glass everywhere. After a bit, she turned to me and asked why we were here. I made the decision that I really, really liked this girl, and I wanted her to like me for me. Grabbing her hand, I led Megs over to sit with me on some rusted-out stairs. Side by side, hips touching and fingers entwined, I looked down at our hands and everything spewed out of me. Megan had told me so much these last few weeks. From her fears, her aspirations, her past loves. And I'd sat and listened, not adding anything about me. I made the right decision. I couldn't expect her to truly see me when I had one hand over her eyes, blocking the truth. Lying by omission. Waiting for the perfect moment is bullshit. Perfect moments only exist in hindsight. Sucking it up, I just blurted out everything. I told her I wanted to show you me. My home. And asking you to come over was just the barest part. She looked really confused. And man, I really should remember she can't see inside my brain. I wanted to bring you into my life. To show you me. Not school me. Or art gallery me. The raw me. The one who lives in a house that needs painting. And a street that you shouldn't walk around alone unless you know everyone. The one with a drunk for a mum. She tried interrupting me at that. But I raised my hand and kept talking. I said that isn't me. Sure, those are parts of my life, but that's not me. Spreading my arms wide and gesturing to the dilapidated warehouse. This is me. I knew I wasn't making much sense, but this girl, she's just so good. I don't want my life to drag her down, but I want her in my life. My dirty, graffitied life. We spoke for a good hour. Well, mainly I spoke. I told her about feeling like I don't fit in anywhere, and it's true. I don't fit in with my parents. I don't want to end up in a two-bedroom rundown house. I don't want to be a cleaner or go to uni and make my family proud. I don't have ambitions like Meg's. I don't deserve to be at that fancy school while so many kids missed out. I don't fit in. I'm the sore spot in a perfect landscape. The abandoned building amongst the shiny warehouses and offices. I'm the ungrateful kid at Hogwarts. A Hermione if she decided to burn her books and bum around unappreciative of all the opportunity literally handed to her. I explained I took her here because this is the real me. It's dirty, grimy, and beautiful. It's the cracked concrete walls and broken glass, ugly walls painted over with rainbow pieces. It's the shitty tags too, the scrawl that people don't find attractive. 
that as much as I try to blend in with this new world of fancy words and $200 haircuts, I can't and I don't want to. As much as I can try and paint over the cracks in the ugly bits of my life, I'll never fit in. I can agree when people say my choppy haircut is so cute and indie, but I'm always going to be just a girl with a shit pair of blunt scissors, chopping her bangs and trying to blend. You know what that girl did? What this beautiful, amazing, smart girl did? She took my head in her hands and kissed me on the cheeks, laughing softly all the while. She told me she loves me for all my imperfections and couldn't give a damn about my cracks. Hell, she loves me for my cracks. She outright threw out not being worthy of her world. She told me all she saw was beauty inside and out. I threw my arms around her then, head buried into her shoulder. This goddamn girl who I was still not worthy of accepts me flaws and all. Choppy haircut and messed up family. Smiling into her neck, I tightened my grip on her. She said the L word, just chucked it about so casually, like I'd miss it. Echoey footsteps ruined the moment. Coming from the other side of the factory, we bolted out the back entrance, running around the corner, gasping for breath and laughing hard, once we were free, gasping for breath and laughing hard. One word and all my worries disappeared, because of one single careless syllable. After I dropped her at home, I texted her, and we've been talking even more than before. I feel light for once. I feel happy. Not even mum yelling on the phone about a late bill or my growing pile of homework can ruin my mood. I have Megan, and she has me. Together, we could do everything. I vow to myself to study more, to try harder, and to be more. Because even if she does accept me, crappy life and all, I want to be more for her. I want to live up to her love.